Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that registers more complaints than your average teenage house party. I'm Jared Stormer of Mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey of Mazenbrew.com, as well my hetero life mate. Andy, you ghost of a Byzantine-era warlord framed perfectly in my living room. How are you, my friend? Jared, football is a week away, and I am in great, great spirits, undefeated, talking rivalries, I'm ready. That's right. This is the rivalry pod. Uh, morale is high amongst the men. Uh, just now, before this pod, we were actually talking about the season, and it kind of dawned on me that it's literally next week. There are meaningful games that begin next week. So, yeah, I have goosebumps as I'm saying this right now, sitting sitting here on this Tuesday evening. But uh, we've got a great pod tonight. We've been saving this one. It is our rivalry pod. We're grouping Michigan State and Ohio State together. Uh, we end the season, you know, kind of with, with our rivalry games. There's that Indiana game there in the middle, but uh, we wanted to cover the rivalries together because I can't have two back-to-back weeks of being this upset after uh, after a podcast. So that's why we're doing it. But, uh, Andy, what else? we got some other things going on, man, and, uh, and a lot to get into tonight. So let's kind of talk about some of the other things that have happened, some things we've heard from camp, um, some of the other news before we get into it. Okay, I say one of the, the biggest things coming out, but also one of the most relevant, is that Michigan is ranked seventh in the AP poll. Granted, this is the preseason AP poll, so it means nothing, but a total of seven Big Ten teams are ranked. Michigan is the second highest, only trailing Ohio State that comes in at 
five. But how do you feel about Michigan being ranked seventh? Yeah, like you said, this isn't the most relevant. We've already discussed it with some of the other polls that have come out, but seven is fine with me. I mean, there's just not that many other teams you can put ahead of them. I would honestly be fine with putting them behind Notre Dame and Florida as we lost to both of them last year. Um, but as it sits right now, um, you know, the, the, the pollsters like who we're bringing back. They like the, the changes we made on offense, I guess. So seven is fine, but uh, it's like committing to marry your blind date before you even left for the date. It's completely pointless. And I, I don't recommend getting too upset about these rankings. Most overrated team in the top 25. Nebraska. They won four games last year, and I get that everyone's very excited about their potential, but they still won four games. And we beat them so badly, I'm sure that they're still hurting from that one. I'm with you there, and I also think Oregon at 11 is way too high. Yeah, it does seem too high, but Oregon also seems like a team. They've got the pedigree, you know, they've got the recruiting. They could also surprise some people and get hot in that in a very weak Pac 12, in my opinion. Uh, but other than that, everybody's kind of right around where they should be. And it's it's going to work itself out after the first week. It's going to look nothing like it did. So very excited that we can start to talk about this, though. Now, that's the most exciting thing about the AP poll coming out is that uh, now we have kind of an idea of where we're starting and what these games are going to look like. And uh, let's go. I'm ready, man. <laughs> it's go time. And as you say, everybody else is seemingly where you would think they would be. Iowa's 20th because... I was always 20th. Um, poll doesn't matter. Michigan 7th, though. You see where it's going to be. Let's get four weeks into the season, and we'll see where teams really fall. Absolutely, yeah. We'll reassess this after a couple weeks. A uh, big, couple big games the first week. Uh, I believe the first game of consequence will be Miami versus Florida. Uh, so, I mean, it starts off, and already you've got the 8th-ranked team in action. So, yeah, things will change, and oh my God, I, I still the goosebumps. They're still they're still very very prevalent right now. But uh, let's move on from that. Bunch of other things to talk about. The captains were named. That was today. Not a ton of surprises. Maybe an exclusion. That's a surprise though. Captains are Ben Bredesen, Carlo Kemp, Kalik Hudson, no Shea Patterson. But what are your thoughts on the three that we've got? And uh, do you feel like Shea getting left off is a big deal? No. I don't feel it's, like it's a big deal at all. People just want to assume the quarterback has to be as the leader of the offense. But if you've ever played team sports, leadership can come from anywhere. And the fact that Kalik Hudson is on here I mean, speaks to the point you've had all season about him being a leader as much as he cared in the Florida games and how just angry he was at losing. Everything we've heard Carlo Kemp say. And Ben Bredesen's back as a captain. He was a leader last year. He remains a leader. Leads that offensive line. No. Captains are right. Players chose them. It doesn't matter that Shea's not on here. People respect him in the huddle, and he commands that offense. It doesn't have to be a captain. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, if Chase Winovich wasn't a captain last year, then there shouldn't be any problem with Shea Patterson not being a captain this year. Chase Winovich was the emotional heart of that defense. I mean, let's, let's not get that mistaken. So uh, I have no problem with this choice. With these choices, Ben Bredesen starting to become an all-timer as a Wolverine, two-time captain now, uh, going to lead that offensive line as a senior. Uh, seems to just be calm, collected. The dude is always in the right place, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That's a great choice on offense. He's been there, too. Um, maybe there's maybe there's something with Shea Patterson being a transfer, too. Ben Bredesen's a homegrown kid. There might be something there. I'm speculating. Uh, <laughs> we speculate wildly in this podcast. Often, more often than we have concrete data. 
but uh, Carlo Kemp, I love that. That's a guy you and I have been high on. Uh, he's a Boulder, Colorado kid. Uh, he's the son of a coach, comes from a long lineage of coaches, so he's smart and just keep hearing from the coaches how involved he's been. And then my boy, Klee Cutson, my favorite player on the team probably. Uh, that just makes a ton of sense. you got to choose him. Um, physically and like ability-wise, he's probably going to be the best player on the defense, but one of the loudest, and I mean, this is a guy that's going to really rev this defensive engine. Carlo Kemp has come a long way since Don Brown wanted to trade him for a couple of footballs. <laughs> is that a thing that happened? Yeah, in 2017, Don Brown talked about how he was... You know, getting better, and a year ago, he wanted to trade him for two deflated footballs. That's pretty harsh, I'm not going to lie, Don. Uh, Carlo did come in maybe a little bit pudgy, maybe a little soggy around the midsection, but the dude is like, he's gotten jacked, and every time I've seen him out there, I'd take him over two deflated footballs. I'd take him over a traffic cone. <laughs> take him over all these inanimate objects. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Don Brown was really harsh on him because he came there, didn't know where he was going to play, went out a linebacker at first, went to defensive end. Uh, so you know, Don Brown, you know, said he'd gotten on to him, said he, you know, no one could have started lower than Carlo Kemp to end his career as captain, and it's really happy to see. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy for him as well. Seems like a great kid, and uh, watch out for him as far as just a player this year. He could be an emerging guy. And uh, any thoughts on Hudson as a captain? You kind of already touched on it. That, to me, is a no-brainer. I love it. He's the emotional leader, and it's cool to see the captain being rewarded for him as well. He said, no, you don't have to be to be the emotional leader, i.e. Chase Winovich, but Glee Hudson deserves it. Three-year yeah. starter. Great there. Uh, Josh Metellus, alternate captain, as is Shea Patterson. So don't read too much into it, but... We knew who the team leaders were already, but now we just get confirmation. Yeah, and the, I mean, if I had to go and pick the top five team leaders before seeing this, that's probably the guys I pick as top five. I mean, who else are you going to really choose in that? I mean, those are the guys we've seen in leadership roles. So this is this is going to be a great trio of captains. Love the alternate captains, and like you said, we know who's really leading the team. So this is just titles, really. Uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of titles, uh, Brandon Peters was named the starter at Illinois, so Michigan is going to see the former prodigy, that the the begotten son, Brandon Peters, this year. So, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, does that change your opinion on this game or your opinion on the outlook? No. <laughs> um, they come to Michigan October twelfth. Or I'm sorry, Michigan goes there October twelfth. They travel to Champaign. A large contingent of Michigan fans will be there. It'll be cool to see Brandon Peters from defense. It'll be fun to hit him, I can imagine. You can't hit the quarterback in practice. This doesn't change anything. Illinois is not a good team. Michigan should bulldoze them. I wish Brandon Peters the best, obviously not during this game. All he does is remind me of one of the worst takes I ever had and was that he was going to be really, really good at Michigan after the 2017 spring game. Well, we can both eat crow on that one, sir, because I was right there with you. And, yeah, we were both wrong about Brandon Peters, but, I mean, maybe not necessarily. The dude got beat out by a lot of good quarterbacks, so he could still have some good football left in him. 
but not good enough football to surmount the just absolute uh, wasteland of talent that that is Illinois. So I don't see it happening, but uh, yeah, I wish him the best, and uh, he's probably better than any other options they got going there. So maybe it was a 24.3 spread, maybe now it's a 22.3 spread. Changes it very significantly. He might be the best quarterback they've had since Juice Williams. I don't know what that's saying, though. I don't know what that's saying either. I mean, I don't really think that means anything. <laughs> You're really just speaking nonsense to me. Yeah. Right <laughs> Is that Russian? Yeah, Juice Williams. That was the last time Illinois beat Michigan, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's going to take a miracle for Illinois to get it done this year. I mean, Brandon Peters is going to have to play the best game ever. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. But but good for him, though. Um, I do hope that he's capable enough to maybe get a shot in the NFL. Let's, let, let's um, settle down. Easy. Pump the brakes over there, guy. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I'm two Tecates deep already, so I mean, I'm, my takes are getting hotter. Understandably. Uh, last bit of news, Chase Winovich and Devin Bush. Turns out they're really good at football at the collegiate and NFL level. Your thoughts? Uh, color me surprised. I could not have picked that out. Oh, wait, yes, I could have and did. We both did. We've been very clear that these are going to be the best two pros. Now, not saying Rashawn Gary can't turn it up. It's the preseason of his rookie year. Uh, but these are the two guys that you and I said are going to absolutely light it up, and they're both in great situations, even better situation than Gary. Uh, tough for a corner to really shine, so David Long not shining in L.A. doesn't really mean too much. Uh, but even Gentry's had a touchdown. Uh, Karan Higdon, kind of surprisingly, I haven't heard almost. I have heard almost nothing about him uh, from down in Houston, but. Winovich has been unblockable for New England, and Devin Bush uh, was described as having a near-perfect debut, preseason debut, so no surprises there. Devin Bush, still a missile. Chase Winovich, still gray hair, still unblockable. Look, we'll give these updates until the day we're dead. I'm fine with it. 24 years from now, if we're still doing this podcast, I'll let you know how Devin Bush's kids are doing in, in their maths math class, so... <laughs> Just knowing that Chase Winovich and Tom Brady are friends just makes me feel complete. Yeah, life is okay. Life is going to be okay. It's a little bit better of a world than it was yesterday because of that. Speaking of life being okay, we need to keep that in mind before and after these rivalry games because if we've seen in 2015 and 2018, dark times could be upon us. They very well could, and what a transition, man. They call him the master of transitions back in West Virginia, folks, and not for nothing. Uh... We've got the rivalry podcast here. We're going to talk both of them. We're going to start with Michigan State. That's how the schedule lines up. And then we are going to do our our damnedest to try and get through an Ohio State pod. I can promise nothing. Um, If I have to leave the room to weep, I'd like you to just maybe recite some statistics for a while until I come back. If that's all right with you. James Joyce in front of me as well if we run out. Perfect, yes. Let's get some Ulysses going if we could and uh, give that to the fine people while I compose myself. But... First, we start with Michigan State. So we've got Michigan State actually before Indiana, uh, but this one's going to be at home. We're 2-2 two and two during the Harbaugh era. Interesting fact that the away team has won every game. This one is at home. I'm not bringing superstition in here, but I'm bringing a little stition in here. Uh, Andy, what, what do you think about this Michigan State team? Uh, let's kind of start with the offense, and then we'll work our way through the defense. But I really want to talk about this one because... Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a dogfight, not surprisingly. No, this game will be back and forth, very 
very physical. These teams do not like each other, as it's well documented. Chase Winovich's post-game comments last year will be playing, blaring all over Lansing. Devin Bush tearing up the field, won't go forgotten. It's just, it's all the stuff that makes football fun. Though I hope they retaliate. I hope they come out there and tear up the M in the middle of the field. By all means, please, go ahead. The game's still going to be played. Offensively, Brian Lewerke seems poised to start for this team. Battled a ton of injuries last year. Saw some Rocky Lombardi. But I'm still a Brian Lewerke believer, especially with the capability he has with his legs. Can make plays on third downs and red zone, kind of like Dad Rudock did for Michigan a few years ago. So we'll see. Uh, accuracy has been an issue, but that could also be lingering shoulder problems. So we'll see where he goes from there. At receiver, he'll be thrown to Cody White. As long as Cody White is, again, healthy, everyone else is young and more or less unproven, so we'll see if they can get stepping up there. Running the ball is going to be the key to this team, though. Last year, they were abysmal. I'm talking 114th in the country in yards per game. We all know LJ Scott turned out to be a big waste of talent in the backfield. Didn't do anything except really kind of jabber a little bit on social media about Michigan, but never really performed last season. So this year, 2019, seems poised to be running back by a committee led by Connor Hayward. Anything's better than what they produced last year running the ball. If they can just manage 120 a game, it's an improvement from what they did last season. And under new offensive coordinator Brad Salem, previous quarterback's coach, it seems like it's going to be very up-tempo, pass-happy, and then try to open up the run after that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you summed it up pretty well there. This is a team that last year was more just a, a culmination of bad luck than they were a bad team. Um, and how you said they could go 4-8 and eight or 10-2, and two, that's exactly how I feel about them. But I don't think it's going to be another 4-8 and eight year just because there's no way they're that unlucky again. Uh, so just the fact that some things are going to go their way, the toast will land, butter side up a couple times, they're going to win a few more. But I'm not necessarily sold on the changes that they made to a, an abysmal offense. You, you mentioned Brad Salem. They just did like a musical chairs thing, basically, from what I can tell. And they removed no staff, kept the same guys, and they're just moving it around. And that remains to be seen what that's going to do. I mean, granted, we don't know what Gaddis is going to do, but, I mean, these are the same offensive minds. I mean, what do you think that this offense is going to look like under Salem? Do we really have any idea? Because, I mean, he was just the quarterback's coach. I think he's going to want to throw the ball, try to open up the run and balance it. But I think he wants to run the no huddle, keep defenses kind of back on their heels, or as Josh Gaddis, Gaddis would say, you know, put them in just situations of stress to where they have to make decisions and can open up some mistakes. But I don't know. I'm with you. I have no idea what they're going to do. Michigan State's always been kind of in the Iowa-Michigan mold style, traditional Big Ten offense. So it remains to be seen what they can do. I think everything just comes down to Brian Lewerke's capabilities. Yeah, and I believe he is a capable quarterback. I'm with you. I'm not a fan by any stretch, um, but I think that he's just as good as, you know, the Kirk Cousins and, uh, you know, who was that other guy that just came through? Connor the, Cook. Connor Cook. God, I hated Connor Cook. Oh, I want to slap him just thinking about it right now. But, yeah, I mean... I'm not necessarily certain that they're going to change their entire identity all of a sudden, whereas it does look like Michigan was willing to do that by giving up the reins. I'd be surprised if Michigan State just became this air it out, you know, West Coast type of style offense or Big 12 type of offense. That would really surprise me. So I agree with you. They're probably going to try and run the ball 
and running game will be improved. So once again, there's probably another win just with an improved run game. Health, if the health is improved a little bit, that's probably another win just because of that. So you can see like why this is going to be a better team because not only did they have like everything go wrong in games, their injury situation last year was atrocious. It was just the season from hell for Sparty last year. Just anything that could go wrong went wrong. Even in the Michigan-Michigan State game, Michigan got a lot of the breaks. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like Michigan State gets with tip passes and different things like that. It was really sloppy. And more often than not, things did not come up for Michigan State. But the reason they were able to salvage games and battle Michigan at home and the reason they're going to be a tough out week in and week out in 2019 is because of this defense. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, great point. I wanted to touch on that, that after re-watching that game, we had a lot of lucky breaks go our way. So it almost you know, could have been a, a much different story last year with just a few things going a different way. Maybe a ball gets tipped three inches to the left. Maybe Nico Collins isn't the most hyper-aware receiver of all time and comes back for that for that tip ball like it it was crazy and you're absolutely right though this is going to come down to their defense their offense is going to be improved but i'm guessing probably not explosive this defense is going to be one of the best in the conference uh they were last year i mean they were number one in the big 10 with 17 points per game allowed uh and they're bringing back eight starters so that alone should tell you kind of what we're up against there um they're bringing back guys that went out injured last year they had a lot of injuries on both offense and defense they got stars at all three levels i mean stars as far as michigan state goes these guys will be drafted you know if david long is a star to us then these guys are are michigan state michigan state stars so yeah i mean i'm worried about this defense man but uh what do you want to talk about on their defense first what concerns you um, let's start first and foremost with the defensive line and the front seven in general. They returned four of those eight starters across the defensive line, which ranked number one nationally last year in rush yards allowed per game, only giving up 77.92. Second place was 95 yards allowed. I mean, they were just overly dominant at stopping the run last year compared to the rest of the country. But. Michigan was able to run for a buck eighty-three on them. Yeah, that's a good caveat there. And Karan Higdon was a buck forty-four of those. So yeah, in this game, just like any rivalry game, things tend to get a little bit screwy, and you can kind of throw the averages out a little bit, which is good because we don't want to come into this game having to rely on our running game a little bit later in the season. True Wilson's probably going to have a lot of miles on the tire. Who knows what we've got with Charbonnet and Turner yet? So. We don't want to have to come in here and say, well, we need to run the ball for 150 yards to win. We're going to want to throw against this defense because, like you said, that front seven is going to be tough. Granted, you'll need to run the ball at least a little bit, which can be done. But that front seven, uh, you've got Kenny Willicks up there. He's probably your star at defensive end. But in the middle, you got two guys, uh, Mike Panasiak and Raekwon Williams, who I do know, who are both run stuffers and can provide some pressure. So... They're four deep across the D-line. you got Joe Bacci at linebacker, Bacci, whatever. I don't take the time to learn their names. It's not, it's not my business. But they're stout in the front seven. And in the secondary, they're bringing back Josiah Scott, who looked like he was going to be their Jordan Lewis, like a, a stud that was starting to emerge that had to sit out last year. So they've got legit players, NFL players at all three levels. So this is going to be tough. Like I don't think we're going to be able to, unless this Gaddis offense just 
completely changes the outlook of our team, I don't think we're going to be able to run it up on them. I don't think so either. D'Antonio always has his team ready to go. It's always a dogfight. 2016 was closer than the actual game was because Michigan got ahead and then Michigan State added some garbage points before Peppers took back that failed two-point conversion. But 2015, 2017, 2018, all just been dogfights of a different sort. I thought the best Michigan ever looked against them, honestly, was 2015 when you take in facts, like quality of each team. And I thought Harbaugh's first year Michigan was playing tight, coverage was locked down, all they had to do was punt the ball and they win the game. But in rivalry games, wacky things can and will happen. Absolutely, and that's what worries me about this game, honestly, more than the Ohio State game. The Ohio State game is more about your preparation and, you know, just the plays in the game. Stuff about Michigan State, or the thing about Michigan State is, like, it's about the breaks. 2015, that punt, just that horrible break, the fact that he's able to return that. You know, 2016 was kind of the only year that we... We handled him, but there was a lot of wacky stuff in that one. And then last year, all the wacky stuff. I mean, every year it's just the breaks can go one way or another. And uh, if it rains, good Lord, if it rains, I am I am not going to be able to, to keep my sanity. I'm going to have to pick up smoking again if I turn on the forecast and see that there's rain in the prediction for Ann Arbor. I think the last time I binge smoked a pack of cigarettes was after the Michigan State game. Sounds right. In 2017. So, yeah, we don't need that again. For the sake of our lungs, our health, everything, let's just, please no rain. No rain. Because first of all, I don't like the idea of running against that front seven. And second of all, we're going to need to pass with the Gattis offense anyway. So if it's raining and just absolutely pouring down, I mean, that is a bad recipe. Um, I don't even want to put that out into the universe. But it seems to happen a lot, so I'm knocking on wood, doing whatever I can. But, yeah, I'll be watching the weather that week because that's the sort of break, like I'm saying, man, with this game where things get screwy and it could go either way. You got a prediction? Uh, is it raining or is it not raining in this hypothetical scenario? You knocked on wood, sir. It is not raining. Yeah, it's not going to rain. If it's not going to rain and we're able to run our offense, the thing we do have above Michigan State, and I think we've got them here by a pretty good margin, is depth. Um, if they have any sort of injuries, and this is going to be late in the season, it's going to be much harder for them to recover from that. Our injuries, I mean, almost anywhere you go other than secondary, knocking on wood again, uh, we're in pretty good shape to fill those holes. So I think we're a deeper team. Uh, I think we're a little bit more explosive offensively, and I think that it's going to be at home, hopefully 3.30, so into the evening when we're finishing this thing out. I think home field advantage is enough to get it done. Uh, but a tight, tight, messy game again, I think. 24-17 Michigan. Nice. I love that we're going to be on the same wavelength again. I'm going to say Michigan 24-13. I like that. Then, similar things you're saying. It's going to be a tight game, back and forth, kind of just slugfest. But I think Michigan's, hopefully, new offense is going to be too much to handle for their secondary and uh, 13 points for them see is adequate if they can institute some balance. They will achieve more than 94 yards of offense. Yes, I can almost guarantee that. Um, and they could win this game. I mean, this could be one that Michigan honestly drops. I mean, we're predicting otherwise, but this game makes me nervous. Like, more nervous than I'm admitting. Well, I guess I just admitted it. Yeah, Harbaugh referred to the Ohio State game as a three- or four-hour root canal his first or second year 
at Michigan. And that's how all rivalry games feel for me now. Notre Dame, this one, and Ohio State, all just gritting your teeth. Not fun to enjoy. Fun to go back on if you win. Yeah, I mean, pretty much how sex with you is described, I believe. Shouts to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of things that I'll be gritting my teeth and trying to get through... We've got to talk about the Ohio State game. It is the rivalry pod, and I remember last year how miserable this was. Um, I, I yeah, I was already smoking cigarettes, so I tried black tar heroin last time. Mixed it up. Seems like the adequate step from cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a gateway narcotic <laughs> to heroin. <laughs> Just skipped right over fentanyl. <laughs> skipped over a lot, but uh, after what we had to endure to prep for this Ohio State pod. I don't think you can blame me. We sat down, we actually watched the highlights for the first time. It was for me, at least. I don't go back and look at the Ohio State games after they happen unless we win. Went back and revisited last year's game, broke it all down again, preparing for this year, what it means, what the Ryan Day era is going to look like, Justin Fields and all that, and we'll be right back to break it down after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back and we are continuing on the Rivalry podcast. And regrettably, we have to talk about the Ohio State game and just the rivalry in general, which to me now is like a root canal. I think that I would rather pour molten cheese onto my foot for a period of maybe three to four hours consecutively than talk about this. But we're going to do it nonetheless. You and I went back and watched the footage, so uh, we're at least fresh for this discussion. But what do you think about this game? What do you think about what Ohio State's bringing back? I don't really know what to make about what Ohio State's bringing back. You have a new head coach in Ryan Day. You have a new quarterback in Justin Fields. You lose four or five offensive linemen. Offensively, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team. The receivers... You lose McLaren, you lose Paris Campbell, thank God. Uh, Johnny Dixon's gone, but K.J. Hill is back. So, what do you make of all this? Well, I mean, first of all, we're 0-4 against Ohio State in the Harbaugh era. Let's address the elephant in the room. Um, Had to be done. So, you can't really go into this with a lot of confidence, but just like last year when you break it down on paper and look at what they've got coming back in certain spots you can talk yourself into a false sense of security here with this. You're bringing in a new coach, but that coach also just ate the lunch of Don Brown for an entire afternoon last year sometime in late November. You lose a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, but you bring in a five-star like Justin Fields that's extremely fast, much faster than Shea Patterson. So there's a lot of change with this team, Um but I think it's change that gives us a better shot. So just announced today, Justin Fields is your new quarterback. Let's kind of start there with him. Definitely seems to be more of a running quarterback. Do you agree? Absolutely. His 
arm talent has been questioned throughout the spring and fall. Seems like a more zone read type of guy. Ryan Day likes to air the ball out. So we'll be interested to see how he utilizes his skill set in this offense. But expect Day to be smart and adapt and to use a lot more zone reads and sort of like a JT Barrett offense where you're going to dink and dump little 10 to 8 yard routes at the most and really work within the system with anticipation throws, but nothing where he really has to process defense or coverage. I kind of see it the same way, and he could definitely grow. I mean, he has the talent, but I think definitely early on you're going to see a kid that's a little bit, I don't know, trigger happy in the pocket, or maybe he's just run happy. He, he scrambles, gets happy feet, and wants to get out of the pocket. He needs time to adjust to the college game. He does have a lot of talent uh, around him on offense. He's got good wide receivers. So I do anticipate they'll take some shots. But, yeah, I think if Ryan Day's smart, and he does seem to be smart, he's going to adapt this offense. And you're going to see a lot more running than you did from Dwayne Haskins last year. I mean, it just makes sense with what you have in Justin Fields. And they can win a lot of games doing that. They just have to be careful with the always prevalent elephant in the room with a running quarterback, and that is injuries because they are not deep at quarterback by any means. No, no, they are no longer deep at quarterback with Tate Martell leaving, Dwayne Haskins leaving early. Uh, all of a sudden, if Justin Fields goes down, I mean, you're, you're relying on Gunnar Hoke, it could be a totally different outlook. I mean, the same could be said for Michigan if we lose True Wilson or Zach Charbonnet or something. I mean, we're not super deep in certain areas, but at quarterback, that loss can really be felt, and... Justin Fields doesn't necessarily scare me. I see him more as a JT Barrett than a Dwayne Haskins, and I'd much rather go against a running quarter or a running quarterback than a quarterback that can dissect you through the air with the kind of wide receiver talent that we've seen at Ohio State over the past decade. Yeah, Fields really reminds me of Braxton Miller, just the elite athlete back there that can make plays and sling the ball, but it's not necessarily going to be accurate. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll go up against him rather than uh, Dwayne Haskins because then we're relying on guys like Kalik Hudson and our defensive line to stop him rather than having to rely on our secondary where I have some questions. And, I mean, who knows how it'll look at that point in the season. It's difficult to predict that far. But, uh, yeah, anything else on Justin Fields? Let's kind of talk about the rest of the offense. Okay, we can move into the rest of the offense. I think that kind of plays into Fields, that they want to make him comfortable back there and give him some time in the pockets when he might have to read coverages. That goes to J.K. Dobbins. Last season, he regressed from his freshman year where he rushed for 1,400 to only manage for just a little over 1,000, which, you know, just a little over 1,000 for a regressive year is still pretty good. Uh, their offensive line was terrible last year in running the football. They could not, could not run block at all. Pass protection was great, but run blocking was terrible. So losing four or five starters may not be the worst thing. Their right tackle battle is still going on, so trying to iron that out. So between them and Dobbins, there are a lot of questions there. But if they can hammer out a running game, that can really expand their offense. Yeah, I'm a J.K. Dobbins guy after watching him. I love his running style. He's just a bowling ball. I wish he played for literally any other team or just decided not to play and maybe be a bowler. But the fact of the matter is he's at Ohio State and he's going to be really good. I expect a bit of a bounce back here. Random question for you that's completely not related to anything. If you could mix it up, would you enjoy playing Ohio State at a different point in the season? Maybe playing them the first game of the season. Just hypothetical, where you could catch them off guard. Like a, like a year like this year when they don't have any time to gel. No. I, 
hate to be a traditionalist, but there's just something about knowing who your team is. They know who their team is. Last week of the season, balls are on the table. Cold weather right after Thanksgiving that does it for me. I would, it'd be cool to see and catch them off guard or something like that, but there's just something about going at it the last week of the year that I really like. Yeah, I'm at the point where I'm willing to go for gimmicks to find a way to get a win. Like, well, maybe if we launch fireworks, like, repeatedly throughout the night outside of their hotel. Have we thought of that? Have we tried that? If we slashed their tires, what advantage do we get? <laughs> if we hire John Stamos to seduce every girlfriend of the players on the team, do we think that that might? We have the money. Ramsey was at Florida State, he would DM the girlfriends of receivers he was going to face that week just to start messing with their heads. I love it. I've never heard a better thing than that. You weren't the one to report it to me, but I love it. Literally nothing better than that. So, LaVert Hill, start sliding those DMs. KJ Hill's girlfriend's out there somewhere. <laughs> we gotta, we got to get into their heads. But uh, speaking of KJ Hill, uh, very impressed with him. I had no idea until I started looking into this, maybe because I've had to turn off their games and drink enough alcohol to kill uh, Genghis Khan to forget about these games. But... Uh, K.J. Hill's on pace to break David Boston's uh, all-time receptions record at Ohio State. Uh, and David Boston is definitely a guy I remember very well. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, you don't realize K.J. Hill's been there forever at this point. David Boston thought he was never going to graduate. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's crazy. It's a impressive record to break, especially considering what Ohio State was doing at that time. But this speaks to the Ryan Day offense coming in last year and just exploding with the passing boom. Yeah, absolutely, and they do lose the guys that scared me the most out of their receiving core. Thank God Paris Campbell is gone. My goodness, that dude, that dude upset me. Yeah, he upset me. Johnny Dixon hurt us last year, but K.J. Hill comes back uh, as well as Chris Olave. He caught a touchdown against us last year. Uh, Benjamin Victor, he caught a touchdown. I'm pretty sure, like, didn't I see you catch a touchdown against us last year for Ohio State? Like, I'm pretty sure everyone in Ohio did. I think Ian Bunting caught a touchdown for Ohio State last year. <laughs> that would not surprise me. He's been missing. <laughs> yeah, where is he? Where is he? You can't tell me he didn't. Prove it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little less terrified of this new receiving core that we'll face this year, but they recruit so well. I mean, they're in the top ten almost every year, just loaded at the position. Uh I'm hoping that Ryan Day doesn't develop wide receivers quite like Urban Meyer because he was putting out some absolute studs. So we'll see what Ryan Day can do with a lot of talent, um, but I'm not as petrified. The fact, the, the counterpoint there is that uh, I'm also worried about our secondary, so it's, it kind of evens out. It definitely kind of balances out, but at least the strength of their offense seems to play into the strength of our defense for now. Yeah, no, that's very true, but uh, if I had to predict one position group to break out of that, I would say it would probably be the Ohio State wide receivers. I think it's more about if Justin Fields can get them the ball accurately. Um, we don't have the kind of depth at cornerback that they have at wide receiver. I mean, they've got three guys that they feel pretty good about. We have one in Lavert Hill. Uh, we feel good about our safeties, and maybe Embry Thomas is back by then, but... That still worries me, man, and maybe I'm just a victim of recency uh, of what happened last year, but I'm, I'm still worried. If Justin Fields comes on even a little bit, and he doesn't have to be great, he has to be decent to beat us in this. Very true. But to your point about last season, when we rewatched all of this, 
we thought, wow, this is a colossal, just deflating performance for Michigan. But this is also the culmination of anything that can go wrong went wrong. Every little mistake that Michigan could make, they would. Players being out of position, missed assignments on special teams, blocked punts, no pass rush. Like, a performance this bad, I really believe, cannot happen again. I mean, it was just, it was the perfect storm of suck last year. Boy, if you don't knock on some wood right now, I think it can never happen again. Of course it can happen again. It was a terrible game. It could have been worse. It definitely could have been worse. But, yeah, after rewatching it, I see what you're saying. I mean, two block punts, one of them being caught in the air and returned. Um, but also Michigan's tempo throughout the game. I mean, it wasn't just bad breaks. Michigan's tempo is noticeably different than Ohio State's. That'll shift this year. So there's going to be a lot that changes from last year. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, this is still Ohio State. So let's kind of talk about their defense. We've really talked about the offense. Uh, Defense also losing some starters. um, And the defense wasn't necessarily their strong point last year. But they came in in the clutch. um, And they do bring back some talent, as always. And they've recruited very well. So... Uh, this this defense that allowed four and a half yards per carry, I mean, they lose Nick Bosa and Draymond Jones off the line, but Chase Young's a monster. So what do you think about this defense? I'm interested, interested to see the Greg Madison Ohio State defense. Ugh. It all starts and ends with Chase Young. It's similar to Ohio State, <laughs> similar to Ohio State, similar to Michigan State. There's a lot of question marks surrounding this team. A ton of talent on that roster. I just really want to see where it all kind of plays out. I think the strength will be the defensive line. They're going to bring in some new guys. And like I said, Chase Young is really, really good. And everybody else, we just don't know yet. It's got to kind of wait and see. And it feels that way with a lot of Michigan players as well, besides the ones that we know because we follow it so closely. It's a wait and see kind of year for them. Like There's just not the confidence, not the slew of guys you can rely upon outside of Chase Young. Yeah, I'll agree with that, and I want to start first with uh, what I should have discussed at length, or we should have discussed at length up to this point, and that is the Greg Madison effect. Uh, Greg Madison will apparently be employing a Viper position now on their defense, so not only is he taking the entire knowledge of our playbook down to Columbus, uh, he's stealing our ideas. And he didn't name it the Viper, I'm assuming, because he realizes that might draw comparisons to the reptilian creature that we most liken him to. Uh, But that does not change the fact that he is that, and uh, he has changed the name to Bullet, which I assume is to make up for his sexual inadequacies. But that's enough about Greg Madison, other than the fact that it is something to be mentioned that this dude knows our playbook. Is that going to be a factor? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> because he doesn't know the new offensive playbook at all. And you should win a Pulitzer for what you just said for the criticism of Rick Madison. It, was, it, it, it should have been harsher. <laughs> Too nice. Aiden Hutchinson thought so last year and went colorfully off. So I, I advise everyone to go back and revisit that because everything we've heard about him, it's going to play out in this game. But to get back to this defense, a lot of question marks that need answering. Greg Madison is going to have to earn his merit right away with this group. Yeah, he really is. And I was more talking about knowing the defensive playbook being under Don Brown. I mean, he knows that one in and out. Fair. He does know that one. I hope, I hope there's some change. I think everything's defensive is more reactionary than anything, so he can yeah. pick some things. But after last year, Don Brown knows he has to adjust. And if we've seen anything, 
Don Brown the following year after a blowout loss against the same team has been dominant. Well, we're also assuming that two 89-year-old men are about to change their ways when, I mean, they still live in Little House on the Prairie days in their minds, so. Fair enough, sir. <laughs> but yes, getting back to this defense, uh, more unknowns, more unknowns, but they've got talent. Jeffrey Okud is a guy in the secondary that I think they'll probably hit on, but they've recruited on defense so obscenely well, same as on offense, that it's kind of the same thing we've got, where... You know, luckily now we're not necessarily um, completely, you know, building from the ground up. We're more reloading, not rebuilding. We're reloading a little bit more. That They're definitely there. They were there before we are. They are reloading, and there's going to be talent all over, but we don't know what Ryan Day brings to the de- defensive side of the ball. Greg Madison is 160 years old and has sexual problems. His wife hasn't been satisfied in years. I have that on good authority. Well, we did. I'm really upset with Craig Madison, so it's out there now. So, I don't know, man. It's very tough to say what this defense is going to look like. I would not be surprised if this defense struggles a little bit. I mean, they don't face any offensive juggernauts, uh, but maybe we are that offensive juggernaut. So, I don't have much to say in the defense because I just don't know outside of Chase Young and probably Jeffrey Okuda as well. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting time, probably, to be an Ohio State fan because it's such uncertainty surrounding the program and the future of it with the coaching changes and everything else. But their fans feel the opposite of our fans. They have all this uncertainty, but because it's Michigan and because they've owned the rivalry, they should feel confident. And despite Michigan's, you know, just talent, competency everywhere, because it's a rivalry and because of the recency record, we don't feel confident. No, I in no way feel confident, and actually, I kind of want to talk special teams on this one, which I normally don't, but upon rewatch, special teams last year cost us 12 points by my estimate. I mean, it was atrocious. 12 points swings that game, I mean, completely. It doesn't necessarily give us the win, but it means we're in it in the fourth quarter rather than you and I being, you know, three bottles of Jägermeister to the wind and picking up smoking with a prostitute named Felicia in the corner. Yeah, well, I didn't want to bring her in, but she was a big part of it. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, I mean, what what are your thoughts, though? I mean, like, the, the special teams, you watched it as well as I did. It has to be addressed. Michigan's punting situation was so brilliant last year. You can't have mistakes like block punts coming here to decide the game. Uh, Quinn Nordine can go nowhere near football that week. That is just no. Law. Nowhere near. We don't need a ball kicked in the stands. If we do, we know where to find you. Um, this should be a Jake Moody type of game. Will Hart should be on it. I expect everything to be pinned down. But hopefully Michigan's the one throwing the wrinkles in for the punt blocks and the different plays because Urban Meyer had the number last season. He really did. Two punt blocks. One of them returned for a touchdown. Michigan also went for two to try and tie the game right before the half with about 36 seconds left which I don't hate the call of. I mean, just with what I give you right there, there's 36 seconds left. It's 19 to 21. You go for two. You think you take the momentum in. But they don't get the two. Give them enough time. Give them a big return to get down and almost score a touchdown and get three points. I mean, those kind of game management things, too, are going to be big. So not only will special teams be big, game management's going to be big. So 
there's there's just a number of concerns. As much as I look at things and be like, oh, well, Justin Fields might not be good. I also look at everything that went wrong last year and think, I mean, we've got a lot to clean up in order to go against a team that's going to be very good again. Yeah, we cannot have the missed assignments, the Josh Metellus misreading jet sweeps. Oh, terrible. Go back and rewatch that. Go back and rewatch the game. It doesn't make yeah, it's it. You should go back and rewatch the game. The stuff that we were picking out of this. I mean, there's a blown coverage where I think it was Benjamin Victor got open by maybe the most I've ever seen a player be open. I mean, it had to have been 35 yards before there was a player near him. I mean, there was blown coverages, blocked punts, zero pressure. I mean, credit to Ohio State for that. There is no pressure on Dwayne Haskins throughout the entire game. There was no sacks, and I don't know if there was even a hurry. So some of it was just us getting beat up front. I mean, just beat badly. And that, that's that got to worry you. Like, I mean, what's going to improve that year? Is our pass rush better this year without Winovich, Bush, and Gary? I don't think it is. Where's the ball of optimism right now? Yeah, well, we're on the Ohio State game. What did you expect? We're, too, we're very optimistic, you and I. We are always optimistic. But this is the Ohio State game. I mean, how can we possibly, as reasonable fans come out here and spew optimism how could you do that with a straight face as you look at me we are but it needs to be said we lose those pass rushes but michigan's going against a defensive line that lost four or five starters the chemistry is one of the most important important pieces of that line they have quarterback that we don't know if can pass yet a lot of positives to take from this last year was bad just bad everywhere but this Michigan defense has versatility across several positions they didn't have last year. They have some more speed on the interior they didn't have last year. They have Carlo Kemp with another year at defensive tackle, have some freshmen coming in there, have Ben Mason on the defensive line. There's a lot of shifts coming on. Dax Hill at safety can add speed and work some in the slot. He's definitely faster than Brandon Watson. So there's a lot of pieces and a lot of positives for the Michigan defense. And that also plays into – Ohio State's question marks and inexperience. So they'll have a season underneath them, but as will the Dax Hills of the world. So there's a little optimism. This is why both my parole officer and my therapist recommend I do these podcasts with you. I'm about to go take some black tar heroin. You, you settle me down and just give me a pack of Newport 100s and slide them across the table. Like, just <laughs> that will be sufficient, but <laughs> with that fresh positive thought in your mind, it's prediction time. Very good. Uh... Yeah, I, I like what you said there. I mean, there's a lot to take into account there. It's tough to feel great about the rivalry and the state of it as a whole, but when you look at it just as a one-game thing and make a prediction just solely based on what you see, you have to think this is the year. I'm not in a position where I, I want to pick against them here, and I don't believe in superstitious bull, bull crap like my prediction's going to actually make a difference. So I'm going to predict what I actually think is going to happen. And I think that Justin Fields is going to be very good. I think they're going to win a lot of football games, but I think he's going to struggle to be accurate. And I think at this point in the season, Michigan probably, looking at our secondary situation, might be giving up more yards than we're used to seeing. But it's going to be pretty dialed in late in the season. I think we'll be pretty dialed in. I think you'll see some guys emerging, some Kalik Hudson's, some Quiddy Pays emerging. Um, but I'm more optimistic about our offense. I think that our offense is going to be able to move the ball. I think this is going to be another game that's more high-scoring than you're used to. And I'm going to go with something that echoes the 2000 
and 16, or the 2006 game, excuse me. I believe this was the score exactly. So maybe it's fortuitous, but I'm going to go 42-39 Michigan. I'm going to say that this is a, another dogfight. Um, and I'm, I, I, I kind of want to predict a bigger margin of victory, but I, you can't feel confident about this game, and I don't feel confident about picking this game, but I just have to do it because that's who I am as a person. So here we are, 42-39. I like it. I like it a lot, and hopefully Michigan can you know, flip it around and be the benefactor of that one instead of, as opposed to the 06 game, which was so great in a number in a of lot ways. Of ways. Troy Smith just... The ruiner of all things good in this world. Really is. I still say that every night before bed. My prediction is similar. I see the game back and forth, battle. Dobbins get go, gets going a little bit. Zach Charbonnet gets going a little bit. Ooh. And the little Nico Collins in the red zone. Just a couple different things. I see Michigan up 28-24. Fourth quarter, Ohio State has the ball, fields driving. Throws a slant, Josh Metellus pick six is it. 35-24, Michigan wins by 11. What a specific game ending you just picked there. No one's going to remember this, of course, come November. And we're going to make totally new predictions. But hopefully, you remember. I've written it down. Josh Metellus pick six seals the game. I love it. He's the player to do it. He is absolutely the player to do it. Look back on big games when we needed a play in crunch time. Metellus is a gamer. When it's on the line, yeah, I like that pick. Uh, what was your score again? Let me get that down here. 35-24. 35-24, Michigan. I am all right with it, sir. Yeah, I mean, I hope we're, we're right. I mean, I honestly think that this might be a little bit lower scoring than last year because there was, you know, 100 points. Um, so it would make sense that that total drops a little bit. Uh, but that's just the way college football is going, and these are going to be two offensive-minded football teams that also happen to have good defenses, so I could see the offense maybe putting up a lot of points. But here's the bottom line for me. If it doesn't happen this year, Andy, I am going to bail on the Jim Harbaugh train, and I'm going to be pretty vocal about it on the podcast. I'm just letting you know. 0-5? Yeah, I'm bailing. Probably with you unless Michigan still goes to the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, okay, yeah. If they if their only loss is to Ohio State and then we go do something, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we're still we're still in it then, but if it's if it's ten and two and we lose to Ohio State again. And miss out on everything I mean, you could, if you go ten and two and one year lost to Ohio State, you might still get the Rose Bowl in a year like this. Would that be enough? Because for me it wouldn't. The, the Rose Bowl is just its just a better stadium. That's all it is as far as this goes. It's its Big Ten Championship and National Championship or nothing. It's that, but it, honestly, if Michigan's 9-3 and three and beat Ohio State, it's not nothing. That's true as well. No, I agree. I would probably take 9-3 and three beating Ohio State over 10-2 and two Rose Bowl losing to Ohio State. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you to this. This game has all the implications in the world. I mean, this is can't be 0 and 5. Cannot cannot be the only coach in Michigan history. Well, he's the only one to start 0 and 4. But if you start 0 and 5, I mean, what are we really getting from all this? Because yeah, it's very nice to be ranked and to win all these games. But honestly, we watch for this game here at the end of the season. It's the reason most of us got into this, especially those of us that grew up in Ohio. 
or Michigan. So for me, yeah, if, if you can't get it done this year, I'll take a flyer on somebody else. So I'm not predicting anything other than a win. Could your heart take a 74-72 seven-overtime game like A&M LSU last year in the game? My goodness. We forgot that game existed, and we were like, what What day did that happen? How did we forget that that absurd of a score occurred? And we went back and like, ah, yes, it was the evening after the game. We were we were well deep. We were five sheets to the wind by then. Uh, no, I could not take that. And an alcohol. Yes. The, uh, if we've done double overtime, we saw all that turned out. But, no, if this game is close, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a touchdown. If it's... Ohio State by 14. I can't say I'd be surprised anymore. If it's Michigan by 14, I would be so happy. <laughs> well, look, we're going to be there, and uh, the party will be at, what's the name of the bar? I believe it's the Cirque? The Cirque Bar, yeah. Anthony and I were there last year, did a live podcast before. It was the only enjoyable thing about that day. So, um, yeah, we'll have a lot of news coming for all amazingbrew.com meetups at the games coming hang out with us. Spew some hot takes, drink some beer, play some cornhole. It's going to be a great year, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I think that we'll be probably uh, pretty no-holds-barred for that. You can't can't censor us in the real world. Yeah, you can't censor us in the real world. (laughs) Yeah, we've... It's been a good year, man. It's been a good summer so far. Good job by you on all the uh, preview stuff. Not really. Flew by. Middle (laughs) Tennessee is... 10 days away. Man, that is crazy, man. Yeah, no, I mean, we got through it. We dug deep, and, uh, you know, the entertainment stuff really helped move it along. But, yeah, it's it's officially go time, man. Our next podcast will be a preview podcast. That feels awesome. Yeah. And to all the loyal listeners this summer, thank you. Amazing Brew, we are rolling out an elite podcast schedule beginning next week. Very organized, a lot of great top content from the girls at Fusion Stadium Boulevard to the guys at Brewcast with some other things that are still yet to be announced, but they're coming your way. And of course, us, your home of Thirsty Thursdays, out of the blue. Where we belong, absolutely. Uh, great use of adjectives in describing all those things. You missed synergy, but I heard like top and elite, and yeah, I really am buying into everything. Whatever you're selling, I'll take 10 of them. <laughs> take 10 of them. If I say synergy yeah yeah fair enough but you're not but you're not all right that's gonna do it for us tonight on out of the blue thank you for tuning in gritting your teeth and getting through this rivalry podcast the season is upon us people i hope you're as excited as we are thanks for tuning in this off season we're gonna go ahead and count next week's pod as in season uh andy any final thoughts from your brother go blue (laughs) i'm jared that's andy this is out of the blue reminding you that wherever you go Go blue.